in this episode, Diana's here. Hello, my friends. Guest host Diana today. That's right, keeping the seat warm. <laughs> Shelly's in Utah, helping out the fam, helping the parents. God bless her. The parentals. And uh, Diana's helping me out recording a podcast here. Although when this comes out, I think she'll be back. She'll be back from Utah. You know, let's let's pretend like maybe she's not, though, and keep her on her toes. <laughs> All right, let's do that. It'll be a fun one. We'll be right back. Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's golo.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at Golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Latter-day Lesbian. Or is it? Or is it? <laughs> is this the episode where we find out if it is or not? <laughs> Diana, are you trying to tell us something? I'm not yet. Okay. All right. You just stay in your closet. I It'll will. I will stay here until I'm good and ready, damn it. <laughs> you know, no one's rushing you, <laughs> although I've got the door held open. <laughs> you and many others. <laughs> Anyway, we're usually the podcast about an ex-Mormon gay girl trying to figure out life. But Diana, you may still be trying to figure out your life. You're just not the gay part. On a, on a daily basis, right? trying to figure out that life. But you are ex-Mormon, so very, that counts. Very. In fact, we're going to be talking about some ex-Mormony stuff. Weird for this podcast. Normally, <laughs> right? normally you skip right over that <laughs> and just focus on the gay part. All right. So today we'll switch it up and we'll take it back to the roots. Exactly. <laughs> let's do it. Let's let's visit our roots. Let's do that. I'm super happy you're here. I'm super happy to be here. I you're know. my only podcasting at this point. Outlet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. as we're recording this, isn't it National Podcasting Day That's or something? That's what the internet tells me. Well, the internet doesn't lie. It doesn't. It knows everything and it does not lie. So, yeah. So, today's the day. Today's the day to celebrate <laughs> podcasters. Some podcaster Shelly is. She's not even here to podcast on National I know. Day. She's knee deep in um, a bunch of crap. Just a bunch of crap. That's what everyone dreams of being <laughs> knee deep in, you know? Yeah. Like a collection of probably 60 years of just weird shit. Parents, right? I know. I know. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you could almost just leave it there parents. I know. It's funny because amid this giant rubble and this mess, uh, Shelly found a book that said something about like how to not be a hoarder for dummies. Oh, a cool, book cool. like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just like the Which irony. Naturally, yeah, naturally. It's just at the bottom of a pile somewhere. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Along with probably fluffy. Yep. Exactly where. Oh, <laughs> no, it's not sad. that bad. It's not that bad. All right. What do we got going on today? I know we've got a foom pod from Mr. Mm-hmm. Bryce Blankenagle. I am not going to besmirch his name the way that Shelly does, though. Because <laughs> I have love in my heart for Bryce. Even I know. though he stumps us well, 95% of the time. That just proves what a smarty pants he is. I know. He really is. It's yeah. almost like I didn't know anything about Mormonism when I failed the foom pod. 
And I know right. less and less about Mormonism every day. <laughs> I feel like if you knew Mormonism on the level that Bryce does, you wouldn't be a Mormon. Oh, that's such a great thought. Right? And I think, so there was a, a short period of time where I wondered if maybe my dad didn't actually believe and was oh. just one of these fellas, these older fellas that was like, I don't believe, but you know, it's good for the family. It's a good way to raise a family. So like, I'll just keep doing it. I talk to some people who know my dad probably better than I do. Well, most people know my dad better than I do. <laughs> and I was convinced that that was not true. But I wondered if it was because he's so smart. And I was yeah. like, how can you know it so deeply and still believe it? Right. But there are people that do. Right. And so even just on recent episodes, reading from the temple script Oof. for the endowment ceremony mm. and that sort of thing and, and the stuff— that is part of the movie. When the movie stops playing, mm -hmm. there's an announcement or whatever, mm -hmm. and then the guy at front is just like mouthing some stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or not? He's no, no he's, he's just not even mute. mouthing. No, he yeah. just stands there. He just stands there and like nods and stares at you. Yeah, it's super right. weird, super creepy. But one of the <laughs> things it said, or maybe this was part of the movie. I'm all confused. But I'll know when you tell me. According to this script, the celestial kingdom is Earth. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. Yes. But then. According to the Doctrine and Covenants at one time, the Telestial Kingdom was part of outer darkness. Well, if the Telestial Kingdom is Earth, and we are today in the year 2020 on Earth, uh -huh. this feels like outer darkness to me. <laughs> well, it does. <laughs> Mormons got something right. Right. There, I mean, there, I don't know if they knew that there was going to be a debate last night, the night before we were recording, but that <laughs> happened, and it feels like outer darkness. I hear you. I you totally know? hear you. Yes, I do. It's so, I mean, it's just. Get out and vote, everybody. That's right. Seriously. We but need like, your vote. But only vote for, like, the person that you know we're telling you to vote for. Because, like, <laughs> the other side doesn't talk about voting. They don't care if you vote. So when we say vote, know that I'm looking at you very intently. She is. And I am specifically, telepathically telling you to vote for a certain person. <laughs> if you live in our country, God, please register to vote and vote for the candidate whose last name starts with B. <laughs> huh, I, I know you try not to be political, I, but I make no promises. <laughs> that is true. And I feel like Diana's being really subtle right now. I'm trying really hard. I'm not sure Subtlety what you're trying to convey. A strong suit of mine. <laughs> Funny. Okay, now that we got our public service yes. announcement out of yes. the way, uh, do you want to do the Foom Pod first? Yeah, let's do it first. Okay. Cue music. It's the fucked up Mormon phrase of the I never get to say that. Oh. That felt really good. Did it feel really good? Yeah. Like it was like a release. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> Always appreciate a good release. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Diana, today's right. fucked up Mormon phrase of the day brought to us by Mr. Bryce Blankenagel is, what is the book of the law of the Lord? Oh, Jesus. The book of the law of the Lord. No. Just no. How does Just he no. do this every time? Do I get any clues? Um, I actually am going to start taking this as a like a badge that I don't know this shit. <laughs> Are you? I am. So you don't have a guess? The problem is it's not like it's something I forgot. I don't think I've ever heard of that. Okay, so it it took place in Nauvoo. Does that help oh, you? At so all? that's all, that's his bread and butter, <laughs> and he loves that shit. No one paid attention to the church then. Come on. 
Well, yeah, he he did. He's paying attention to the early right, church. Right, which is so. why he's no longer Mormon and why I stayed, my ass was Mormon for a long time. Okay, so what's stupid about this and <laughs> awful? Okay. Just, just this thing. Just, just, just <laughs> this boom <laughs> pod. Is that it is a fancy religious sounding term mm, for okay. something nefarious. Ooh. Does that help you? No. Okay, I'm just going to say law. what it is. All right, Books let's, of the law of the Lord? Yeah. Yeah, let's throw the Lord in there. Always. Is the Lord considered Jesus or Heavenly Father? Oh, interesting that you say this. I was having a conversation about this with my partner, Ben, earlier today because uh-huh. I referred to praying to Jesus, and he looked at me, and I was like, sorry. Mormons don't pray to Jesus. <laughs> they pray to Heavenly Father because those are clearly two different people. Well, right. So who's the Lord? The Lord is Heavenly Father. It's not Jesus. Okay, yeah, Jesus weird. is Lord, that mm-hmm. phrase, like when I would hear people say that or see it on like yeah. the reader boards or whatever outside of churches. Random bumper mm-hmm. stickers. No, Jesus mm-hmm. is Lord. That made no sense. They're definitely in Mormon theology. So do you people. have bumper stickers that say, Heavenly Father is my co-pilot? <laughs> I'm sure there's a weird <laughs> Mormon van that also has like 19 <laughs> stick figure people on the back of it. You right? know how they have that? I know. And it definitely says Heavenly Father. <laughs> HF is my oh. co-pilot. Wouldn't that be so <laughs> precious? Uh-huh. Okay. Right next to world peas. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> No, they wouldn't have that. so lame. <laughs> they wouldn't have that bumper sticker. No, they wouldn't. Okay, back to the foam okay. pod. The book of the law of the Lord is essentially an accounting book. It's a ledger. Okay. With passages of Joseph Smith's Nauvoo Journal. But of course, it's a little more complicated, says mm-hmm. Bryce. The biggest city project of Nauvoo history was to build the temple. The project ran out of funds before it even started. Shocker. Yeah. But that didn't stop Joe from devising a plan to build it with essentially slave labor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. The Nauvoo Mormons tithed one out of every 10 Mm -hmm. days to building the temple and were paid in temple store vouchers. God, he was such an asshole. The vouchers could then be turned into the temple building committee who would sell goods in exchange for temple vouchers. The goods, of course, were donated to the temple building committee by the Mormons themselves. So this is a very confusing, like, Ponzi scheme Mm -hmm. type of thing. I'm Mm -hmm. not even sure really what's happening, but it sounds nefarious. (laughs) Nefarious. That's a great word. So a Mormon would donate their stuff to the committee, work on the temple, paid in vouchers, then buy stuff from the committee using the vouchers. The book of the law of the Lord was the accounting book which kept track of their donations of goods and time. He's like a poor man's Jeff Bezos. Like right? he just is like, <laughs> how can I build these buildings and pay my workers nothing and just promise right. them things they'll never receive? There you like go. Like healthcare. Anyway, I just <laughs> tell us how you really feel oh about my America. God. <laughs> Sometimes I worry that I'm not projecting enough of who I am and how I feel. And then I remember that I absolutely am. Um, (laughs) Joseph was awful. I'm sure I've heard that story before. But again, so here's the other thing. Bryce brings up all of these super like Nauvoo or uh, winter quarters or like all of these kind of, for lack of a better term, whitewashed. (laughs) Sure. And so... Growing up in the church, you might have heard of, what is it, the book of Of the the law law of the the Lord, Lord. but it would have been painted completely differently. And so you just wouldn't have even thought about it. Like, I don't think that you all have talked about the law of consecration 
on— Ooh, is that a foom pod, podcast, have you? Ooh, I think it's mentioned in the temple ceremony, so she should do that foom pod before you get to that part. That's a good but idea. this kind of goes along with that. So I feel like it would have just been looped into that if, if I'd ever been mm-hmm. taught of it. Because, again— when people learn their real history, they leave. So mm-hmm. it's not advantageous for anyone to teach about this kind of stuff. Sure. And I didn't go to a church university, so I didn't have to take Book of Mormon class or like they have to take religion courses. And I never had to take them. So I feel like there's a bunch of stuff like that that I completely missed. Well, oh, darn. Of course, <laughs> Joe is going to call it something like that when right. God is speaking to him directly. Of course. It's God's law that he's yep. creating. Yep. He's creating it. Mm-hmm. So why not call it that? Why not? Who's going to question it? Literally no one. <laughs> Except for like one of them did. And fast then forward they got- to the 21st century and Bryce Blankenagle. <laughs> Thank you, Bryce, for the good work that you right? do. Yeah, thank for you, sure. Bryce. For sure. And yeah, for... see, I will not say fuck you, Bryce Blankenagle. <laughs> I will not say that. That's right. <laughs> and for keeping me stumping my friends here. I love it. Appreciate it. Okay, well, thank you, Bryce. And moving on. All right. Yeah, so I just wanted to bring this up because I thought it was really kooky and I thought you might appreciate this. Love that. Got a random piece of mail the other day that is addressed to... Future research volunteer. Okay. How do you know? You know, this is going to be the thing that makes you say, I would like to be a research volunteer. (laughs) Or if you're not sure, isn't it illegal to open that mail? (gasps) (laughs) You're going to tamper. The USPS is going to get you. (laughs) I know, because how are you going to know if you're going to be that or not? Oh, I'm going to call it in. (laughs) Are you going to report me? Yeah. (laughs) She's committing fraud. She is not a future Research um, what? A future research volunteer. <laughs> research and volunteer. if I do identify that way, I guess the study is for perimenopausal depression. Oh, mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Thanks. That's what I'm supposed to be volunteering for, I guess. Or whoever is the future research volunteer. Are they telling you that you are a parent? Maybe they're trying to tell me something. Yeah. You might want to volunteer for this. I think that's what's How happening right now. Presumptuous and rude. <laughs> I know. I'm going to put that in the stack with the AARP envelopes. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So speaking of mail, speaking of mail, I was sent a picture of a good friend of mine lives outside of Salt Lake, and she received a mailer when she went to her mailbox today. Okay. And in it, there was a sweet advertisement from the company called Shirt Saint. (laughs) Praiseworthy apparel. Those of you that live in Utah may have received this mailer. (laughs) Such gifts as a picture of, I guess it's supposed to be Nephi and two other people. I don't really understand the Nephi shirt, but it says, Nephi, social distancing since 600 B.C. Why? Because nobody wanted to be around the guy? <sighs> I I mean, did he kill? He didn't kill people. Like, I, I mean, well, he did first kill of people. All, he actually did. He didn't. First of all, Nephi wasn't a real person. <laughs> right. Let's get this out of it's the way. It's easy to social distance when you don't actually when you exist. When you don't exist. <laughs> But even the people he killed, he did it, like, supposedly. From like, a distance? He, from no, six feet? <laughs> but he didn't. That's my point. Is I'm like, I don't really get the Nephi shirt. So you're not convinced he was actually social distancing? No, I'm not. Um, the other one, I don't know if, if you've covered this in any of the horrifying primary songs that you all have talked about, but it says, in really big letters, it says, give. And then under it has a little dash, the little stream. So there's a song that's called Give Said the Little Stream. Give, oh, give. 
<laughs> Gibbs had the little stream as it hurried down the hill. What? <laughs> I can't sing it right now. The if, little stream is she, giving something? If Shelly were here, she would start singing it and I'd sing along, but I'm okay. not going to do it on my own. So this is a kid's song. Yes. It's saying the little stream. It's talking yes. about a stream. All right, now I really am just going to sing it, okay? <laughs> do you feel comfortable? I will soldier through, okay? <laughs> Let's hear it. So it's, Give said the little stream, give, oh, give, give, oh, give, give said the little stream as it hurried down the hill. I'm small, I know, but wherever I go, the grass grows greener still. Singing, singing all the day, give away, oh, give away. Singing, singing all the day, give, oh, give away. Wow. Oh, yes. That was, thank you. That was, <laughs> Very nice. It was horrifying that I just did that. Yeah, it's like a primary song, but I, and I sang, that was one of my jams that I sang to my kids. Because wow. it's like, oh, this like lovely message of giving. Is that what it is? What are you supposed I to be guess. giving? Like of your time? Your so the little tithing? stream is feeding the grass. Isn't it just it feeding grow? like a I bigger don't. river or something? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I don't know. Is it a tributary? I guess. I don't know if any of this is supposed to make sense. The one in the middle is a very conventionally attractive female presenting person mm-hmm. who has a gigantic temple on the front of her shirt. That's what I want to wear. So if that doesn't really just draw the eye, I don't know what does. Actually, we have a shirt like that, and it says I'm starting to think it's all fake. There you go. <laughs> and it's got a temple on it. Maybe you should just like accidentally send that to Shirt Saint <laughs> Praiseworthy Apparel and they, see if they yeah. maybe just add that to their collection. They might. My personal favorite I will end with is the one that says, get up with an exclamation point, even if you feel like shiz. Because everyone knows that when you live in Utah, you can't say shit. You, I mean, you could never say shit. You got to say shiz. Okay. Does Snoop Dogg know that the Mormons are ripping off his language? He, he, I hope he uh, he patented that. I he know, got a trademark. Right? Yes. I hope he had trademark on yes. all things ending in is. I kind of like the way that uh, The Good Place handles cussing. Oh. Right? Fork. Fork and shirt. Fork and, and shirt. I love that. No, it's really good. Yeah. I'm a fan. <laughs> Me too. Maybe that's a new segment. What did you get in the mail? Right? Some weird fucked up Mormon shiz. (laughs) (laughs) Funny. But before moving on, this little stream song, I know I'm kind of obsessed with it. I hope you find (laughs) the music and play it. It'll be way better than what I did. You know, sometimes I find instrumental versions and pitch them according to the singer. Oh, you I'm are. a little magical. You're fucking fancy. Yeah, I am a little fancy. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I like it, Mary. <laughs> we'll see what I can do. I don't want to overpromise. <laughs> well, but I gave you not a lot to work with. I'm sure I changed <laughs> keys a few times. I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But is the idea that you're teaching kids super young about giving money? I think you're teaching kids super young to give all everything. the time. Pe- like, just period. Just, just put everything else in front of you. Yes. Put yourself dead last from a young, young age. Selflessness every time. Yes. Because <sighs> why would you ever think of yourself? You know what song I was learning at that age? Like, No, I don't. They were still Christian-y, but it was like, this little light of mine, I'm right? going to let it shine. We did not I'm sing that. I'm going to let it shine. Me. I'm yeah, doing that. Mm-mm. It's still mm-mm. about Jesus, but— I am playing a part in it, right? No. Which is sort of for on a Christian level, <laughs> sort of empowering. Of mine, I'm gonna give it away. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's gonna blow it out. And that's gonna be really sad. 
<laughs> and here we are today. <laughs> That's what happened. That's what happened. That's what happened. Someone melted my candle. Oh, <laughs> these poor little lights and streams. And, I know. Yeah. No, I know. it's just always give. Always <sighs> give. Give everything all the time, always. You know, I am possibly not the person to take on this project, but I really think there's a book that could be titled something like The Mormon Church is Fucking Up Kids. I don't know if we have talked about this on the podcast or if we have just had this conversation off mic, as they say, Mm -hmm. but I know we've talked about that before because it is the truth. I mean, of course it is because you have to start that young. You have to start with the indoctrination. Yes. And I recently had the thought of why are Mormons so comfortable with the idea of 18, 19, 20-year-olds getting married specifically because I was 19 when I got married and I'm just like, why are they okay with that? Because to me, that's their children. They are children. Their brains are not fully developed. Correct. Any scientist, if you believe in science, will tell you (laughs) that their brains are not fully developed. But when you are just teaching them that they can pray about something and if they have a good feeling, then that means it's right. Right. Then they're, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yes. Oh, well, they're 18. Yeah, we know that sounds a little bit like a little bit too advanced, but they prayed about it and they felt good. So uh-huh. we trust that. When you were taught that and then you have children and then your children do that, why would you ever not just think, oh, it's good. We feel good. And so then also the Lord is the blessing Lord. this. And also, I think you're fooled into thinking that's part of your agency. Like it actually oh, occurred yeah. to you that that yep. was the right thing to do. Yep. When the only decisions right. that are actually sanctioned, uh, the, the feelings you get from the Lord mm-hmm. or whatever. Sorry, the Heavenly Father. Let me get <laughs> right. it fucking right. But the only <laughs> ones that are correct are the ones that can be confirmed yeah, yeah, by yeah. everyone else right. in authority. Right. Which is why when people leave, there's no—I remember before I left hearing a podcast of a Mormon celebrity, and I will sort of put that in quotes because that's not really real. But <laughs> someone who'd been on a reality show who was Mormon— And they left the church, and they were telling their story, and they said something to the effect of they felt like Heavenly Father was blessing them to leave. Like, they felt confirmed that this was the right decision for them to leave. To leave the church. Yes. And I will never forget hearing that and thinking, that would never happen. Heavenly Father would never confirm to someone that they should leave. Right. And that in and of itself was me telling myself, there's only certain things. You're taught your whole life. There's only certain things that Heavenly Father approves of. Right. So if it isn't within this column of things that He would approve of, you don't even need to ask because it's wrong. And if Mm. you feel good about it, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. That's Satan telling you that you should do it. I'm like, okay, well, but the feeling is the same. So how am I supposed to know? (laughs) Yeah, how are you? (laughs) How are you supposed to know? Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter if you know or not because neither of them are real. And when (laughs) you— Neither of those feelings are real. When you do leave, how are you supposed to figure out how to make any meaningful decisions? like a total shit show. Yeah. You don't know. Ugh, that's horrible. Yeah, it's super fun. Yeah. Aren't you sad you didn't have to go through that, Mary? <laughs> well, and I know other evangelicals yes. do sort of have to parse that out. Work it's it true. Out. Mormons are not that special. Yeah. Really, yeah. they're not. That was a th- something that I learned pretty early on in leaving is that Mormons are not that special. Yes. We, there are many, many, many other religions that parallel perfectly yes. with the experience of leaving. And I think I just learned early on, and I don't know how this happened. I wish I could tell all of you, but I learned to find my own family 
mm-hmm. or my people outside of my family of origin. Sure. Like pretty early. Because it's I know, I'm not sure exactly how I did it. I wasn't clamoring for their approval all the time. It was really my mother, but I just stopped doing that. It right. wasn't like I was perfect about it. I still went to therapy because I was afraid of her. I went for two years trying to figure out how to actually come out to her right. in a way that would stick because that was like my second coming out. <laughs> of course. Because she wouldn't buy it, right? Right. right. <laughs> oh, it's uh, so fun when people think they know you better than you. Right. That's so fun. Yeah. Everybody loves I was to... going through a little phase. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, aren't we all? Really? Sure. Like it's like 30 yeah. years mm-hmm. going, mm-hmm. 35. That's a long fucking phase. Mary. That is, isn't it? You better snap <laughs> out of it. I know. Yeah. I think that my bullshit detector was going up really young, mm-hmm. and uh, it helped that my father just didn't buy any of it. So I got his perspective. for sure. For sure. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about different personality types and how you just can't predict what are going to be sort of the shaping moments and experiences of people's lives. And so I'm envious of the friends that I have who recognized it very early, who stopped believing but went because they couldn't not until they were, you know, an adult of some level and then they stopped going. But yeah, that wasn't, it certainly was not my experience. <laughs> you know what I get jealous of? Ooh. People who have good relationships with their mothers. What must that be like? Right. Mary? Wow. All right. Are we going to talk about moms? Oh, my God. Are we, we going to do it right now? Let's go. Okay. But before we okay. do, yeah. I do want to um, just do that quick segment called <gasps> what, they said, what, they said, what They Said to Get Into the Group. Okay. So this, once again, is from our listeners who are attempting to answer a couple of quick questions to be able to get into the Facebook discussion group, the Latter-day Lesbian Podcast discussion group on Facebook. And you know what? It's gotten so comical by this point because I fuck it up every single time. Sure. (laughs) Was there an issue that made it so that you needed to create questions to get in? Or did you just do that from the jump? We did because, um, you know, we always had the Latter-day Lesbian page, podcast page. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But we wanted to make a more private group that's more supportive. Oh, for sure. That people wouldn't hopefully troll and that sort of thing. Right. And I want to thank, once again, our admins, mm-hmm. Jessa, Jamie, and Alice. Thank you so much for all your help in that group. Love Fantastic. you all. I love that group. It's fun. I am there, for those of you that are in the group. I've seen I you am, tagged a couple of times. So I am uh, anti-social media-ish, <laughs> uh-huh. I'll say, because you can't really hold me to that. But if you ever have a question for me, I don't know why you would. But if you do, you can tag me. Shelly's always really good about letting me know when I need to <laughs> when I need to come and answer some things. And I'm happy to do it. Yeah, I'm a little more active these days than I have been. I'm stepping up mm. while Shelly's in Utah. Yeah. And, um, you know, part of it is it's such a distraction. I'm like, I yes. could do this work over here. Or I could just hang out on Facebook and see if anyone replies to my I comment. I know. See, this sort of is, addictive. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. There's sort of. an entire documentary about it, Mary. Don't. I mean, you should watch it, but don't watch it. But you should watch oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's it called, Diana? It's called The Social Dilemma. <laughs> <laughs> Clever name. I know. I like it. I know. Okay. Well, let's get on to today's entry questions or responses. Okay, so this week we are answering the question, what are the names of Mary and Shelley's dogs' names? I do happen to know that. You do, (laughs) don't you? But not everyone does, as it turns out. Uh, This answer is Curly and Moe. So maybe we need to get a Larry. 
<laughs> oh, please don't get a third dog. No. Although, actually, you know, you do whatever you feel You do is you? Right. Is that you what you're trying you. to say? Yeah. <laughs> Are you giving me permission? If I'm loving you through two dogs, I'll love you through three. <laughs> I know you true. got it in you. I know. <laughs> Then you could have three little friends jump up on you when oh, you come to visit. That would be so fun. Mm-hmm. We should have gotten video of Eddie trying to teach me how to pet him. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not, it's not, he I'm was. not going to do it. He was like, so you just make yeah, this motion. Yeah, like, you make this motion right here. I'm going to look at you real cute. And I was like, cool, yeah, cool. He was no. actually doing that paw, like pawing motion. Mm-hmm. Like all you got to do is just put your they're head not, on my back. They're not dumb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, thank you, Eddie. She's not a dog. Are you a dog person? No, I'm not, not an so animal much. person. Okay. All right. I have children. It's a thing. (laughs) Same thing. Okay. (laughs) All right. Okay. This one, uh, what are the names of Mary and Shelley's dogs? This answer is Polly Woggy and then the other one. Did somebody call? Like where? I I wonder. I don't know. But Mm -hmm. I like that someone's just the other one. Well, I mean, maybe they. Give me your other one. Maybe they too listened early on before the other one actually yeah. is there. Well, you know, it's funny in these responses, Eddie gets uh, forgotten a lot of the time. People remember Domino. Well, I mean, it makes sense. Domino is a more memorable Maybe like, that's dog it. name. Eddie's just a name. So if you're listening and your name is Eddie, I'm sorry. It's yeah, not you're memorable. Hear it. You're, yeah. <laughs> nope. Just well, change it to Domino. Maybe as a human, <laughs> maybe but that, not as maybe a that dog. Maybe that works easier. I kind of find it funny to give pets uh, human names. Really? Yeah, I always wanted a cat named Dave for some reason. I just thought that would be fun. I need you <laughs> to have a cat named Dave. Isn't that funny? So my very favorite singer ever is a man named David Bazan. Okay. And those of you who are ex-evangelical may actually know him. He's the lead singer of a band called Pedro the Lion, oh. which they they were famous for saying, we're not a Christian band. We're Christians in a band. Okay. <laughs> so lame. But anyway, he has since very much departed from yeah, the evangelical I'm, church. I'm making an L on my forehead right. over that Anyway, comment. he comes on stage regularly and says, Hi, I'm called Dave. <laughs> and okay. so every time we see him, that's what we think. How funny. I need you to have a cat named Dave. I missed this band for some reason. When were they Pedro popular? The oh, it would have been after you were out of the Christian music scene. It was like early 2000s. Okay, And then yeah. he parted from the band and had a solo career for, I don't know, like starting in 2006. He recently has gone back to the band. Well, he cr- he recreated his own band, but he has, okay. there's no Christian affiliation. But Because did I ever tell you that my first professional job was a DJ at a Christian radio mm. station? Did you know that, Diana? I don't think I did know that. <laughs> Isn't that, that funny? That is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Did you actually oh, Christian man, radio we could talk about that for a really long? But time. I don't remember that group. There was a, I yeah, mean, there no, were a lot of groups. it would have. Yeah, it probably. I mean, what years were you a DJ at a Christian radio station? Moving on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this would have been. Are you a premenopausal uh, volunteer? What am research I, future, volunteer? Future research volunteer? Absolutely. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Give me a crystal ball and I'll tell you. Uh, yeah, this would have been early '90s. Okay, I guess. Yeah. Early so before 90s. their time. That's super funny. Yeah. Mm, funny. Christian music. Something I'm glad Mormons don't attach to. Right. That's not a thing for them. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, good I'm grateful for it. Yep. Okay, back to the responses to get into the group. This one uh, is Domino and Dominatrix. And I'm going to request <laughs> that you rename Eddie. Eddie. 
Eddie's a bottom. Um, I mean, yeah, he was very much like, see, you pet me like this. <laughs> this is how you... It's just that Domino always wins at tug of war. Like, he's just bossier to Eddie. But what's weird is that Domino is sort of more submissive with humans. Dogs are so interesting. Dogs they all are. have their own unique personality. But it would be really funny if you had done Domino and Dominatrix. Although you got Eddie first. <laughs> right. So that would have been even better if you were like, we named this one Dominatrix. Now we have another one. What do we name him? <laughs> right. I guess Domino. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> okay, Diana, two more. We got this. All right, we got it. This one says, oh my, I just heard the podcast of your dog that's super friendly and the dog that went Cujo. I want to say one of those was Braxton. And yes, there was a dog named Brax we were oh, looking right. at for a second at a pet adoption thing. Uh, we did not choose to adopt that dog. That dog was a little nuts. Well, Nutty. Brax is not a good name. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you get what you pay for Brax. Brax. <laughs> you get what you pay for. The neutering fee, mm, basically. Mm-hmm. And this last one, I've only just started listening, just got to episode eight. So I know that one is Eddie and that you adopted another, but I don't think I've learned their name yet. I do, however, know that Brax was a very angry dog that you did not adopt. Whew, take a breath. I hope that listener feels the appreciation that we are sending their way because that is some serious dedication. <laughs> <laughs> Starting from the beginning, knowing those details. Right? Really putting in the time. I know. So be applauded. We have two votes for Brax. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Should we just give Brax a little round of applause? Brax sounds <laughs> like he is 16 and he plays tight end at Alta High School in <laughs> Sandy, Utah. That's what Brax sounds like to me. Shout That's out great. To, to those Alta Hawk grads. I am one myself. <laughs> there you go. Shout it out. I love it. Okay, before we get into whatever it is we're talking about, yeah. let's take a break. All right, let's do it. Be right back. We're back. Thanks for hanging in there. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about family shit. Um, we started by talking about wishing. We both wished we had a better relationship with our mothers. Yes. How is that for you? So I will say right now, it's actually, it is decent. Um, And one of the reasons that it is decent is because I've had to sort of take control over when we talk, how we communicate, that kind of thing. She's obviously a participant but I don't live near my family. So for those of you who have heard me on the podcast before, I am the youngest of seven children. I am the only one who has left the church. All of my siblings remain in the church. Their spouses remain in the church. I do Mm. have a few nieces and or nephews who may have left. Nice. that's their business. But I'm also the only one that is significantly removed from them physically. Mm. So I don't have the same kind of communication with them that those of my siblings that live near my parents or live near each other have. And my family's the type of family that does like the big Sunday dinner, right? Or like the big once a month they get together for birthdays. So I don't have to deal with any of that Mm. stuff. Yeah. And many families, and mine was included, is included in this, has like a Facebook group or a Google plus group or like some kind of a thing where they are communicating with each other regularly. Mm -hmm. And about a year and a half ago, I completely removed myself from the group. It just became a space that I did not feel like I could communicate 
how I felt about things. I was the only one on a certain side of a topic, for Mm, instance. Yeah. And so I was constantly having this emotional upheaval about it. And so I left. And now it's been a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And so the relationships have all kind of adjusted. Like there's a few sisters that I will text or that I Marco Polo with or that I email. My mom and I email and we talk on the phone. Okay. And the coping skills of having to figure out like, I don't always pick up the phone when someone calls me. Yeah. You have to be kind of geared up for it. Yeah. Like if I know I'm going to be in the car for a while and I know I haven't talked to my mom in a significant amount of time, I think, okay, well, I'm going to be in the car. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll call her because I have 45 minutes and then I have to get off the phone or something. Right. I feel like boundaries is the most used word in the world because it's the best word in the whole world. Sure. And for those of us who leave the church and have families in various different stations of belief, and it's not easy. I'll never say that it's easy. And I'll never say it's consistent either, honestly. I get involved in conversations with certain family members that then my partner is like, what are you, uh uh-uh, like you are letting this go on too long or you're letting this veer into a topic that you know you shouldn't talk about. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm checked on that because it's not easy no. to do that. I mean, you've had to do similar stuff with your mom. How have you managed that? Well, and I also, to piggyback on what you're saying, I feel like a lot of times family members just, we all play these roles oh, when we're around our families. Oh, for sure, for sure. And they want to keep you in yes. that role. You kind of just drift into mm-hmm. it naturally, and then yep. you're like, fuck, what am I doing? Yep. And you're stopping yourself, and then you're like, okay, boundaries, putting putting these boundaries back up, and then your family is not helping. Uh, yeah, by, they're, and they're not happy about it. No. Nope. They don't like it. Yep. I probably have mentioned this on the podcast before, but there's a self-help book that I read in the 90s. It was called Dance of Intimacy. Did you mm-hmm. ever read this book? Mm-hmm. No. And I apologize to the listeners if I've already mentioned <laughs> this because I do repeat myself. But you learn dance steps with the people that you have relationships with. Yep. It was equating how we interact, how mm-hmm. we communicate to a dance. Yep. And so you learn these dance moves. And then one day you're like, you know what? These moves don't work for me anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to change these moves up. Yeah. Well, your dance partner is trying really hard to get you to remember the old choreography because they don't want you to change. No. They're committed to keeping you in those same patterns because they're used to them. Right. It suited them maybe. And just because you are wanting growth doesn't mean they are. Right. Hell no. So that was a really interesting book to read. And training my mother to treat me more respectfully is a lifelong mission. Lifelong. My therapist one time said to me, it's like you're trying to play both sides of the tennis court. Mm. So that's how she equated like the back and forth. Okay. So I would go to therapy before a trip to Utah or before I talked to someone about something or whatever the situation was. And like many of us do, we predict what these people are going to say, how they're going to react, what this thing is going to be. And she just kept reminding me, you're trying to play both sides of the tennis court. And you don't necessarily know. You might be right. Sure. Certainly there are times where you'll be 100%. Mm-hmm. But you have to let that happen anyway, even if you are going to be right, because you can't play both sides. Like you said, we are changing the dance steps. We have to allow for them also to maybe be people who are changing the dance steps. I know I've come into a, a couple situations with a particular family member who I can sense from something that they say that they actually had tried to set a boundary to and that we maybe have overstepped. And so they've been kind of navigating how to be like, oh, wait, I actually didn't want to do that either. So let me try to readjust. And it's a learning process of how to figure out what these relationships look like. Mm -hmm. But 
when you're leaving any evangelical religion, and I always include Mormonism in that loop, it's this weird pull of is your love conditional or unconditional? Mm -hmm. Because my parents have not cut me off and have not severed their relationship with me because I left the church, but there are certainly people who have experienced that. Mm. And it's a difficult balance of knowing like, okay, they haven't cut me off, but does it extend here? Will they love me if I tell them this? Will they love me? You know what I mean? Like there can't be change without loss. And so often we're trying to make these adjustments, but keep as many things the same as possible. Yeah, And it just isn't possible. Things mm. are going to change that you never considered. We all change all the time. All We're the evolving time. beings constantly, right? So you had asked me earlier like about some of the coping skills and the emotional fallout of leaving. Yeah. Your whole family is still in. Yeah. So you're the black sheep. I am. How do you just deal with these people on the regular? Well, that's the thing is that I don't. So another thing that might be unique to me, but maybe there will be other people that can relate to this, is that so I'm the youngest in my family, and my parents were older for having children mm. when they had me. They were both in their mid-40s when I was born. And so the generational thing is also interesting where, like, I have had friends who talk to their moms on the phone every day. Mm, mm-hmm. That was never my situation under right. any circumstance. I grew up in Virginia, and my siblings all went to Utah to go to college. And my parents talked to them like maybe once a month. And this was basically before the internet. They weren't emailing. It was like my parents set up a 1-800 number for our house so that my (laughs) siblings could call for free. Uh But they didn't call often. Like we've never been a super communicative family. So having that distance is not strange for Mm -hmm. any of us. Mm -hmm. We don't go visit. When we did go visit most recently, which has been over a year now, we didn't stay with them. And that seemed like an impossible thing to say and to do, but it wasn't. Were, it was, was that the expectation? Would that, it that always had been before. Um, my parents have a home that has plenty of space for us to stay, and that's one of the reasons that they still have that home is so that when people come into town, they will stay with them. And we said that we were not going to stay there. And I think that was better. I know it was better. It just is better. Like, you can't try to make things be the way they were when you're not the same person and you don't have the same values. Mm -hmm. It's like I equate it often to you're talking about meat and I'm talking about fruit. Like we're not even (laughs) talking about like, well, God says blah, 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 blah. Well, I don't even believe in God. It's Mm -hmm. not like I have a different version of what God said. Yeah. I don't even think that he exists. Okay. You can't, Keep it the same. Keep just, everybody just figure it out. We'll just do this thing. We'll all just grin and bear it. But don't you want more than grinning and bearing it? Like, even if it's less, don't you want more? Because that's how I feel. I'm like, I had to take less of a relationship with my family, but that less is better. That less is less painful. Yes. Talking to them less often is better because it doesn't kill me every time I do. Yes. And that's just the change that had to be made. So you're picking the Mm -hmm. least painful option. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. One of the other things just with leaving in general is finding your new identity. And one of the narratives that's told a lot is that people that leave, they all start drinking, they all start smoking, they all get tattoos, blah, blah, blah. And it's painted this way of rebellion. And certainly there are times that it is. 
But other times it's like, I had to find things that were not connected to Mormonism or religion at all. Mm. Like, and those were the only things that there were, you know? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, well, they never talked about what kind of red wine is good at church or how to roast a coffee bean. So I guess I'll I'll figure this out (laughs) on my own and see, like, there's whole other worlds and hobbies and interests that people have all over the world. Outside of the church? Outside of the church. I know. (laughs) What are you thinking? So you get to find them. You get to make deliberate choices. and Yeah, but aren't you scared shitless of your choices? That you're going to make the wrong one. I'm not now. Yeah. Probably was at a time. To Um, practice. I think I was mostly concerned for a long time just how I was being talked about and how I was, and not even necessarily talked about. Maybe let's pretend like people weren't talking. They were. But Maybe they weren't talking, but just the inner assessments and judgments that people were making. Your family me. members. Yeah. And or friends. friends that you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, like Shelly and I have talked about that a lot. Like we left around the same time and we live in the same area. I see. So we know that there were people that were saying things and that there were things that were thought about us. And the funny part is, is that some of them are right, but not for the reasons that they think. Gotcha. So it's just another, yet another thing where you're like, it's not your business. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard for me to say that. I want everyone to understand exactly why I make the decisions that I make, but they can't. Right. And you don't like to be misunderstood. No, I do not. (laughs) That's just a guess from the side of the table. I do not. (laughs) I do not like to be misunderstood. Why is that? Um, I don't feel like I had an opportunity to be a person. I don't feel like I had an opportunity to be myself. Did you even know what that was? No. Okay. No. The closest I've ever come, and I think I have probably told this actually on the podcast before, on your podcast before, is that I have a bunch of tattoos. And when I started getting them, that one of my sisters said, oh, I knew you'd get tattoos. You've always wanted tattoos. That was the first moment where I was like, oh my God. And I don't know that I've ever thanked her for saying that, but it was huge for me to feel like someone had seen me before. Mm. Because when I was Mormon— I wasn't saying I was going to get them. It was just saying I liked them. So mm-hmm. there wasn't, it wasn't bad to say that I liked them. Really? No. I mean, I'm sure I would have said that to her, like, oh, I think they're really cool. Like, but, but you wouldn't have said that to your no. parents. I might have even said it to my parents wow. because I would have been so sure they knew I didn't intend to get them. Okay. I would never, ever have done that one. But I, I thought was you were supposed Mormon. to shun anything that's anti Mormon. Some people take that more seriously than others. Gotcha. And I guess maybe I didn't in that instance. So that was really important to me to feel like, oh. You get me on some level. You get me on some level because I said this to you before and Uh I've done this now. And I mean, Ben and I have talked about tattoos the entire time we've been in relationship together, which is almost 20 years now. One and a half of those decades that we never would have gotten them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And now we both are covered. So that was really nice. But other than that, like, I never got to be a person. It was all prescriptive. Mm-hmm. You know, the same song and dance mm-hmm. for everybody. Checking the boxes. Checking them off. So yeah. I've been asked this before, and I want to ask you what you think. People have said to me, gosh, your mother, no offense, but your mother is <laughs> awful, right? <laughs> um, why do you have a relationship with her? Mm. Do you get that? I think the more confusing relationship for me not necessarily more harmful, but more confusing is the relationship that I have with my dad yeah, um, or lack of relationship, I should say. But I try to have radical compassion for them. I can't understand what their upbringings were like. 
And part of it I've discovered is that I don't actually feel like I know them. Do you feel like you know your mom? Do you feel like you got a a good enough sense of what her upbringing was like, what her life was like? Because I just feel like there's these massive gaps from my parents. Hmm. First of all, I feel like I was mostly raised by the Mormon church more than anything else. Mm -hmm. And then the other parts of it, I'm just like, well, this maybe came from the way that they were raised. I don't really know. Probably, right? Yeah. I mean, we learn how to behave from a young age based on how our interactions are, social interactions. And either they're great and we continue those same behaviors throughout adulthood or Mm -hmm. we recognize how fucked up they are. And we adjust. And we try to change them. You know, we try to better ourselves and not spiral back into those same patterns that are unhealthy. So, yeah, I know actually a lot about my mother. I've pieced together a lot of her behaviors based on her childhood. Interesting. So she had a grandmother. It's funny. We went to the same high school. Mm. It's in a little town called Wilson, New York. And my (laughs) great-grandmother went to that high school, and she dated one of her professors. They had an affair. Right. She got pregnant. She dropped out. So she didn't graduate from high school. Married the professor. He ended up leaving the school, too, and he put himself through law school, became a lawyer. And he actually did really well. But I don't know that he ever loved her. That's the first problem. Mm-hmm. And then she was super controlling, manipulative, passive-aggressive. My mother tells me horror stories about her. Yeah. Horror stories. And then when my mother was 14, her father left the family, went to either get dry cleaning or cigarettes and never came back. And never came back, one of those. Moved to California. So this was in New York. He moved to California with, I don't know, a secretary or something. They just didn't know what happened to him for the longest time. And then her mother just fell apart, had a big old breakdown. And then... My mother fell in love with the neighbor Mm -hmm. across the street who was 24 years older. Right. So they had an affair for a long time. So it's just generation after generation of this trauma and pain being inflicted upon the next generation. Jesus is her drug. Oh, man. She medicates with Jesus. Whenever she brings up a, a childhood story that's not pleasant, she immediately starts crying. It's so painful for her. I'm so sad. I know. It's like, sad. And that's the thing it is, is it is sad. so sad. Like, I have tried. We started this out with, what would it be like to have a good relationship with your parents? Like I said, I actually feel like I have a pretty decent relationship right now. But what I do envy is the people who feel like they could ask their parents questions and have honest conversations. Right. Because here's my issue. I am now, as we've already alluded to and discussed openly already, I am a liberal, flaming— Oh, yeah. You think? You? (laughs) I'm going to have, like, socialists, like, spray-painted and lit on fire in my front yard. It is everything that I am. And I grew up saying that my dad was, like, further right than conservatives, which meant something different in the early 90s than it means now. Like, he testified against Sandra Day O'Connor at her confirmation hearing when oh she gosh. was when she was trying to be confirmed to the Supreme Court. Wow. Like, my dad was involved in politics. My parents are extremely conservative. And because of that, I can't ask them these questions. You had an episode with Kate Kelly where you discussed the ERA. There was a huge 
Mormons for ERA movement here in Northern Virginia. My parents lived here. They fought specifically against Sonia Johnson, who was leading that movement. I can't ask them about that. Sure. And I guess that's on me. It's actually not on them. They probably would talk about it. You think? But um, I think they would. Hmm. I can't talk about that. I can't hear them talk about that. You don't want to hear their answer. No. Yeah. Because why? Mm -hmm. And in these times, this is so much of the, what I sense from my friends who are ex-Mormon, this is so much of the issues that all of us are having is these family members who are still, and actually not just ex-Mormons, I have other ex-evangelical friends who their parents are still extremely conservative. And so this highly politicized time is causing so many, how can you reconcile this? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We're so divided. I don't know. I know. It's so, and for good reason at times. Like, that's the thing is like, I've had to set boundaries because I know that if this boundary gets breached, the relationship will be over. Yeah. And that can be different for all kinds of people. Yeah, I can't have these conversations. So I yeah. wish I knew more about them so that I could try to piece together why certain yeah. things are the way they are. It has helped with my mother. The other thing I forgot to mention is that she was molested by a friend of her father's. And when she told him about it, he said, yeah, that sounds like something he would do. And that was the extent of their conversation. I wish that I could say that things have gotten better. But I hear that story and I'm just like... Well, I mean, this was in the 40s, so... I read enough shit that would tell me that that could happen today. (laughs) But the the response, I mean, obviously the the event could definitely happen, but that the response would be not different enough from that, you know? So I do have compassion for her. I I know exactly why she is the way she is. Jesus Mm -hmm. is her drug. Without some sort of numbing agent, she would fall apart. She not drink? Oh, she only has like one or two glasses of pink wine. Every night. Pink? What does pink wine mean? Uh, White Zinfandel. Okay. (laughs) For the listeners, Mary texted me earlier when we were discussing what we were going to talk about, and she asked me about coping skills, and my first response was, do I have those? (laughs) Right? Because the only thing that comes to mind is alcohol, and that's kind of a joke, but it's also not. Well, you spent a lot of years not drinking. So many years <laughs> not drinking. 30 to be exact. And there's a lot of great flavor combinations That's out wonderful. there. It's a whole new world. A whole new world. To, to be experienced and enjoyed. Exactly. Yeah. I know. That's, and I love a well-crafted cocktail. Mm, I know. Mm, what are those? What are bars? I yeah, right? Know. I know. What's a bar? I know. Huh? Oh, one more thing I wanted to say about my mother yeah. and we can move off this subject. What I think is so frustrating is you can't have a realistic conversation with her without her bringing God into it. Mm, It's just so frustrating. mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. but I buy her stuff on Amazon frequently because she doesn't have Prime. I am shaking my head disapprovingly for those that need to know. And she's given into the myth that there's actually discounts (laughs) by having Amazon Prime, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh (laughs) That's a whole other conversation. Yep. So I ordered ink for her printer. My mother prints out... What? Everything. Why is she printing anything? Because she's 88 years old. (laughs) (laughs) She prints everything. Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, okay. So I ordered this ink, and she reported back. She returned and reported. (laughs) And she said that 
oh, the ink works great in the printer, praise God. And I'm like, what, what does God have to do when your why? printer working or not? Just why? I don't know. I don't either. It's just so irritating because it's not realistic and you can't have a realistic conversation with someone who's that so, ridiculously religious. I have not read this book because I'll tell you why. But apparently Jessica Simpson, oh the celebrity God. that nobody cares about, <laughs> has written a memoir And there is a woman who has a book podcast that I listen to all the time. And a friend of hers asked her to read the book. So she was like told to read this book. So she put up a review. And after I read it to Ben, he's like, why even bother? Because she did not like it. And one of the things she said was, I realize that her Christian faith is important to her, but the just like the gratuitous mention of Mm -hmm. God just Mm -hmm. completely had taken her out of this book. And that's how I feel about that stuff. Because I'm like, can you just stop? Why can't we get some credit? Why can't we get some fucking credit? That's one of the reasons we do I shit left all the, the Mormon time. church. That is one of the reasons. Because I was so sick of never getting credit yeah. for anything, which for the psychologists in the room can read a lot into me by that. I was so sick of it. I'm yeah. like, everything bad is my fault, but everything good is because of God. Right? What kind of shit is that? It is awful. And I no, hate that. I hate it. Even if you believe in a creator, don't you think that you were created to be like competent and intelligent and smart and creative and funny and all these things that Crazy. You, just, you just are these things? <laughs> Why can't you be like, hey, I'm relatively smart. I'm relatively creative. And I learned how to edit. Right. Why can't I get credit for that? The ink works in the printer. Praise <laughs> Dell. Praise whatever the brand of the printer is. Yeah, some engineers worked really hard on that, Mom. Stop mm-hmm. giving credit to God. Mm-hmm. Oh. Giving some credit for HP to the HF. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're about to get into our last commercial break. We're not going to do patrons this week. So if you are a new patron, we know who you are. We see you. That's right. We're going to save that for Shelly's return because she loves that stuff. It's basically her favorite thing. It's kind of her favorite thing. Mm-hmm. She has to name everybody. Mm-hmm. Super fun for her. It's her jam. Okay, well, we will not do patrons, but we're going to do one more topic when we return. Stick around. Back from our break. Thanks for hanging in there. So, Diana, didn't you want to ask me something? I do. (laughs) You and I happen to both be partnered with ex-Mormons. That is true. Although you are not an ex-Mormon. Also true. But I'm interested in what are some of the biggest surprises... And we can talk about specifically, like, what was the most shocking thing that you found out about this crazy bananas cult? Mm -hmm. But then also, what are the things that you feel like come up the most frequently, like, in Mm day-to-day life? Because I have no objectivity about it. Yeah. Because I am also ex-Mormon. Yeah. And I think it's possibly different, although Ben is a special case. But wouldn't you say it's different if you're talking to an ex-priesthood holder versus an ex-sister? I can see that. He would probably be the exception. Yeah, I think he is the exception. But I can see what you mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. As far as what has been the most surprising thing to learn about this crazy cult, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like more and more and more as we get into it, it gets crazier and crazier and crazier. I can't believe you keep being surprised. It's (laughs) so magnificently terrible (laughs) that you keep being surprised. Yeah. Well, there's so much to it. so much. And learning all the terms for everything and— I'm so sorry. The (laughs) handshakes— 
So oh, God, Angie. We've been doing these temple episodes, as you probably know, and um, one of the discussions in the Facebook group is like, oh, did you actually go over what the handshake is? I think we talked about the handshake. We didn't really— Physically what it is or just what it means? Or how you do it. Oh, I don't know. Maybe yeah. we did, and it hasn't well, been really. Ever seen Shelly in person? Hopefully, in non-COVID times, she'll definitely <laughs> do the handshakes. But how all... would you describe it? It's like uh, your forefinger is on the but other your person's pinkies are interlocking. Your pinky, okay, Ooh. Mm-hmm. already creepy. Yep. it's kind of yep. like. Do you remember that horny thing that people oh, did gross. with their middle? So finger? the forefinger <laughs> touches the. What do you call this part on the wrist? Whatever. Oh, where this. your pulse is. Basically. Yeah, basically, um, and then your pinkies are interlocking. Okay. It's so fucking weird. It oh is my weird. God. And now and which, I did it like it was totally normal. And is that the patriarchal grip or something I think else? So okay. How many handshakes for are sure there? Sign of the nail. Oh god. Um, <laughs> how many are there? There's only one like real. There's a couple other things that you do, but that's the only like actual handshake. Okay, we haven't gotten to this into the temple oh god, yet, so but is that the weird. thing you present at the veil? Oh Jesus, yes. That's the handshake. Okay. Oh yeah. Spoiler alert. I'm going to act super surprised when Shelly talks about it in the next Temple episode. Oh I'm going to be like, really? That's the handshake? Mm. You're kidding. Oh, this whole, oh my, <laughs> people are still to this day doing it like it's totally normal. Right. What is wrong with them? So that stuff's pretty wacky. Yeah, the Temple stuff would be pretty wacky. The Temple stuff's super wacky. And when I heard about all this stuff being required of children, like marching around in nursery, saying, oh, singing, follow, um, the follow the prophet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the and indoctrination then, yeah. gets pretty gross. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. They don't see that. They don't think that's weird. My first encounter with a Mormon was when I was living in Atlanta. I met these fun people, this couple, and they were talking about how they were ex-Mormon. Mm-hmm. And they had to go back to Utah for a sister's wedding. And she was getting married in the temple, and they couldn't attend. And I yeah. looked at her like, blink, blink, what? Yep. You can't attend your sister's yep. wedding? Yep. That was the first encounter I had yeah. with anyone affiliated with Mormon Church. And I was so surprised by that. Well, family is the most important thing. So, you know. So let's exclude one. So let's make you do what we say you should do in order for you to be included. Right? That's what that means. Yeah. Where you're so important to us that you must comply. Yeah, I know. (laughs) That makes total sense. I know. Way to show love. Way to to show love. To the prodigal son or daughter. Or you could just be like many of the people that I know that just lie. Mm -hmm. They just lie and go anyway. I'm like, okay, I didn't have that in me, but Godspeed, I guess. Oh, my God. But then they would have to have their temple recommend up to date. Yeah, they just lie and they get it. I see. They would lie in the bishop interview They don't care. And I can understand a little bit from their perspective where they're like, I'm only going to this wedding. I'm not like trying to do anything devious or nefarious with this. I just think it's stupid that they won't let me go. For sure. And so I'll just lie. And to me, that was like the worst thing you could possibly do. But I would not be the family member. I love my sisters, but I would not wait in a parking lot for them to— Would you just have not gone? So I never was in that situation. Oh, that's a a lie, actually. Ben's brother got married a year ago. The wedding was like at 1130 or something. And so we showed up at the temple at like 12 for pictures. Gotcha. But we weren't like there to see them walk in. We were like, mm-hmm. I guess we'll stand out here and wait for pictures afterwards. It sucks. It's so stupid. I mean, it's just so stupid. And most of Ben's family has left. None of mine has left, but most of his has. So we were certainly not the only people standing outside. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was kind of nice. Oh my God. <laughs> it sucks. Who's got the flask? Right? Yeah. I just think all of the Mormon shit is super wacky. And I keep learning yeah. about new stuff and these foom pods and you just learn and learn and learn. And you're mm-hmm. just like, oh my God, you guys. 
No, just I mean, enough already. Enough already. Yeah, so that's sort of the answer to that question. I don't know, was that a very satisfying no, answer? That makes sense. All of that it. That makes sense. All of it. But <laughs> All specifically it. the temple stuff, that makes sense. That yeah, makes sense. Probably. As far as what is challenging with Shelly, and I feel like this has gotten a lot better, but she just used to say yes to everything, mm-hmm. everything and everyone, and also didn't want to make waves. Right. About anything. So I felt right. like I had to kind of watch what I said in front of certain people who will remain nameless in this <laughs> conversation. <laughs> but I couldn't ever say anything about whatever. Right. Um, I won't mention what the things are yeah. either. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. But yeah, just watching what yeah. you say or a little like, okay, so if you're around my parents, you're not going to say mm-hmm. anything about Mormons. I was like, no, I'm not going to say anything about... <laughs> You know what I mean? And that's the thing is you do have this experience because you did grow up in something different, but not, it's under the same umbrella. And so you understand that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. The day-to-day, like just the training. I mean, that's really what it is that you're just trained to behave this certain way. And I know that Shelly talks about that a lot, that she just was, this is what I did. And I said, yes. And I went along with it and I was the dutiful giver. Yeah, and also, and this has also changed some too, but the importance she used to put on men's opinions over mm-hmm. women's. Mm-hmm. And that in- would include me, potentially. Sure. And I feel pretty capable and strong emotionally and mentally. Like, I pretty much know what to do in almost every situation. Like, that's just not an, an issue. So to think that you would defer to somebody right. else who's maybe not even involved in whatever's going on, it was frustrating. I still catch that in myself. And it's hard for me to reconcile how much of it is just like, I have a partner who happens to be male who I want him to kind of agree with me or like the thing I'm doing Hmm. and how much of it is me feeling like I need his approval Hmm. or I need him to sign off on things. I still struggle with that. I have been noticing that recently, actually, as I've been trying to like do something creatively And when I give it to him and he doesn't really like it, sometimes I'm like, I wish I could just say, but I like it. Why can't you? I could, but like, I'm just not there. But I'm trying to manage the, do I need your approval because of this position that you hold in my life? Or do I want your input because I value your input? Mm. Because there is room for that as well. He's not like a stereotypically patriarchal, controlling, like he's none of those things. I'm very, very, very lucky. Mm -hmm. But I still have this like, but I want you to like Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is not always bad, but I have to manage the times when I'm like, am I deferring because I think I'm supposed to? Or because I'm lazy and I don't want to have the final word? Like it could be many things. You haven't quite figured that out yet, right? No, I haven't. And it is different from decision to decision. Sure. There are moments where I'm like, I don't fucking care. I can do this. Like, Maybe I certainly know I'm capable. But what's at stake for you? Like, yeah, how important sure. is the thing that you're right. working on or thinking right. about, right. right? The higher stake things we yeah. want. And does it really buy-in. involve him? Does it involve him? Does it involve our kids? Or is this purely just like a thing I can figure out? I'm just shirking well, the— And you have admitted before, I'm not calling you out, mm. that you— Seek approval. Oh, I do. For sure. Yes. For sure. Maybe it's not for this podcast because we're, you know, we're running a little bit low on time, but I do want to talk about someday. Why is it so tough for people, let's say in your position, to get those good feelings from within ourselves? Because we need to go to therapy. (laughs) Kimberly, help us all. No, but seriously, I mean, I think about that 
all the time. And yeah. sometimes you probably nail it. Sometimes you probably do feel things on your own. Probably. You couldn't even think of an example right now? <laughs> Can I think of an example? Of like a thing that you didn't need anybody's validation, anyone's approval. You didn't have to check with anyone. You're just like, God, I rocked that. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you homework. <laughs> yeah, give, I, that's good. That You know what? That's really good homework. I'm going to have to think about that because I can't even lie and be like, oh, I'm sure there is. I'm like, no, I need to actually think about that. Yeah. Because that is the struggle of my life, it shows up in different people's lives in different ways, but it always comes back to we have to love ourselves. We have to be accepting of ourselves when we're constantly seeking the affirmation and the acceptance of other people. It's because we're not giving it to ourselves. And that's a constant reminder that we just have to do that. Like I just have a bottomless pit of affirm me, affirm me, affirm me. And many of us do. And I know that's because I'm not affirming myself. And it's really, really hard. And it's particularly, I will say, I think it's particularly hard for any of us who are walking a path that is in opposition to the way that we were told to go and the people that we love that are still on that other path. And that could look different for many people. Like for you, your mother did not accept that you were gay. She did not want to think... You had to walk that path away from her Mm -hmm. and affirm yourself on that path. For me, it was the Mormon church. For other people, it could look like many other things. And it sounds so trite at this point, but it's the truth that you have to find it in yourself. Or no one else's approval will ever be enough. Well, and I think you can actually practice it, even if you don't believe it. Yeah. So that's the other thing. It's like you can try to tell yourself, great job. But if you don't actually believe it, mm-hmm. so how do you do that? How do you reconcile right. those things? Right. Yeah. Figuring it out. <laughs> Figuring it out. Therapy. Just just <laughs> trying to figure out life. <laughs> <laughs> the next Mormon, not gay girl, yep. trying to figure out her life. That's right. There you go. Maybe we should end on that note. <laughs> I think it's perfect. <laughs> perfect. Okay. Well, you know what? We're going to check back in with you. I'm happy to come back. Anytime. Okay. And see how that progress is going. All righty. And you know what? Maybe we'll bring Kimberly on and have this conversation. Where does that affirmation come from if it doesn't come from external sources? Mm-hmm. How do you yeah. manufacture that if you've never had any practice doing that? Right? It's a beautiful question. And it's an important one. Very. Because I believe that's holding a lot of people back. Absolutely. I think yeah. it is the thing. The seeking affirmation from other people and not giving it to yourself is the thing. Right, because that is a bottomless pit or well. It is. It is. Okay, should we right. should we crack a joke or something? <laughs> I'm like, on that note. <laughs> I know. Sorry for the bummer. Like, I mean, you mostly get bummers when you get me. There's some jokes thrown <laughs> in, but I'm a straight docker, so it's going to get depressing. <laughs> well, we're going to um, try to get Kimberly on soon so we can yeah, uh, leave us that. on a positive note. <laughs> Uh, it's been lovely having you, Diana. <laughs> As always. It's been lovely to be here. <laughs> I would like to thank Dan at Extension Audio. Dan, good luck. <laughs> and thank you. I guess at this point in the episode, I would just say thank you. Yeah, and leave that all in, I guess. <laughs> okay. And everyone else, please steer clear of cults because they fucking suck. They're no fucking joke. They're no joke at all. Talk to everybody later. 